Schimmel, Security Boulevard here for Security Boulevard Chat. And I'm joined by my friend Mike Hill, CTO and co-founder of Cybrick, which is Cyber and Fabric, hot new security startup. Mike, how are you? And welcome to Security Boulevard Chats. I'm great, Alan, and, and thanks for having me. Great. It's our pleasure. So, Mike, first of all, be, before we jump into what I wanted to talk to you about, for, for our audience who aren't familiar with Cybrick, other than that it's a contraction of cyber and fabric, can you give us a, a quick uh, elevator pitch on what, what you're doing there? Absolutely. So what Cybrick, the, the SaaS platform that we've developed, uh, is an automation and orchestration engine that seamlessly embeds security testing from code commit to application delivery. So instead of you know coming out with another static code analysis tool or scanner or dynamic AppSec tool, what we've done is architected this, this cloud platform that we can converge all of the existing open source and commercial tools into a policy-driven framework that integrates uh, from the far left at your source code repo, such as GitHub or Bitbucket, um, at the artifact build with, with your CI platform, such as Jenkins or CloudBees, and then at the far right, we replicate your application environment and run the dynamic scans, uh, such as OpenVAS, Metasploit, uh, you know, name your favorite dynamic AppSec tester. We can run those in parallel as well. And we do that against a fully replicated copy of your production application. So we never affect production performance, uh, corrupt data, or, or do anything else malicious against a live site. So that's kind of the, the uh, probably one and a half, two minute elevator pitch on what we've done. Um, you know, the term fabric, uh, we use sometimes uh, as part of the continuous security delivery fabric where we, uh, we tie together all of the existing disparate tools and give the CIO and CISO that single pane of glass view into the, uh, the continuous uh, security assurance and uh, risk posture. Got it, got it. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit well, before we do, Mike, I just wanted to also mention you guys have recently raised some more uh, VC money, doing expansion, and and Cybrix really kind of seems to be catching some momentum. Yeah, the the momentum is definitely increased. Uh, in June, Gardner listed us uh, in um, the met, their uh, cool vendor report, and then since then we've been listed in a couple of their hype cycle papers around application security. Uh, testing and orchestration, as well as the vulnerability correlation sector, um, and then we've, you know, we're working with our our first handful of official customers, and have a healthy uh, pipeline of, of proof of concepts in flight, as well as our marketing team dropping uh, driving top of funnel. So definitely feel a little momentum kind of shifting. I think it's a good time. Uh, the term DevSecOps that we were talking about earlier is is getting more and more uh, tech credibility. I think. And people are understanding really the cultural shift and transformation that's needed, you know, above the technology. Absolutely. So, Mike, that brings us right into what I wanted to talk to you about today. And that is sort of to DevSecOps or not. That's the question. And uh, we were discussing off mic, you know, prior to recording kind of the some of the pushback that you get using the term DevSecOps, especially with not from the developer community or even the CIO, but more from your hardcore security and CISOs who, you know, and, and it, it may be a cultural thing uh, of, of where the, the disconnect is, but why, what's your opinion on that? 
I mean, first of all, and for full disclosure, I've been, and we at Cybrick have been using the term DevSecOps uh, pretty standardly. Uh, and, you know, there's religious conviction around whether it's uh, Sec DevOps or Rugged DevOps or DevOps Sec, depending on which group you're talking to and, and their view of the landscape. Uh, you know, irrespective of that, I think uh, people need to, to start thinking about, like, what's the common goal? If you look at one of the core tenets of of the DevOps culture, which is collaboration, what can we all collaborate and improve to drive the business forward instead of um, fighting our, our turf wars internally between DevOps and SecOps and, and other teams? So I think you know, we, uh, security needs to start being part of the software development lifecycle and, and embedded in there. And we can use DevSecOps, SecDevOps interchangeably. It's not, it's not an order ranking. It's about the full integration and interoperability between the teams. And I, that's what we should start talking about instead of, uh, you know, getting into this deep discussion that, that starts, uh, starts getting people's feelings hurt or they taking hard stances. Like that's yeah. never, that's never a, a good outcome for the business. You know, my attitude is call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. But, um, <laughs> but, but you're right, Mike. And, and I think, you know, whatever you want to call it and whatever the label is, more importantly, as you say, security needs a seat at the table. Security needs to be involved earlier. And and here's the real for me, Mike, the real kind of, you know, money shot is we need to be automating security into into the whole software development lifecycle. Right. And and. I don't really care at that point what you want to call it, but security automation into the software development lifecycle is is paramount, I think, to us really, you know, doing doing a better job securing stuff. A absolutely. I mean, that's our core thesis at Cybrick. And, you know, the whole seat of the table conversation, I've said flippantly in the past, like if you want to seat at the table, you know, pull up a chair and, yeah. and start collaborating. And, um, you know, we as an industry love to talk about this well-published shortage of cyber engineering talent. Mm -hmm. So that, that just screams for the need for automation and orchestration and yeah. allowing the security engineering team to be part of the SDLC, but do so efficiently. I mean, it's much like what, if you look at the old world of, you know, make files versus now Jenkins and Jenkins files, what Jenkins did to automate builds more fully. You know, we need to have the same approach with security. I, I agree. I agree. I, I think that what we are seeing is, you know, I, it's funny, Mike. I used to think that all security people desired a seat at the table and wanted to be better integrated into the IT infrastructure in general. Mm -hmm. But I've come to the conclusion that there's a there's a, a segment of the of our industry, the security industry, that kind of relishes their otherness, if you will. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They take pride in the fact that they are separate and apart, and there's good reason for it because everyone else is not as smart, not as important, not as just not as. Well, I think uh, the, the industry didn't do that that cultural divide any favors. No. I mean, security typically has been sold on fear, uncertainty, and doubt. If you look at literally every marketing brochure, it's it's a dark picture of a hacker in a hoodie sitting at a keyboard 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, this probably dates back to like war games in the eighties. Yeah, no. Like, like we've, we've glamorized this, this underground character where security really needs uh, to have business acumen and help drive revenue and keep, you know, product and security assurance high. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it does go a lot back to the war game stuff, right? So when I first got into security, there weren't colleges offering degrees in cybersecurity or security. You know, you ask most people why they got into security. Either they were the network guy and their boss made them, you know, do the security too. Or a very typical response we used to hear when we were doing persona kind of uh uh, research was, well, I really like to break things, right? I always want to figure out how to break things. And somehow that translated to being a good hacker and hence a good security person. And, you know, I, I think for people my age or people who have been in the industry as long as me, me I'm not saying you're old, Mike, but maybe as long as you, you know, that's fine and dandy. But when we look at people coming into the industry today, I think they come with a, a different, a different education, a different outlook, a different, um, a different mission, right? I think their mission is to be part of the bigger organization. I, what do you think? It, yeah, and I think you know the this term white hat hacker has mm-hmm. really helped, and, and we've started to make that a more visible role, and the fact that they can actually do good by you know, protecting and, and playing offense on the security side yeah, and really trying to level the playing field. And I think they also, ha- they're starting to take much more of an engineering approach than just a, a breaking things uh, approach. Yeah, that, that's true. I think they need to act more like engineers and not just breaking things. So Mike, let me ask you, I guess this begs the question of, well, what do you think the future holds here then? I mean, we, we placed a big bet on, on automation orchestration and then not to use buzzwords loosely, but as we get more and more data into our system, uh, building out the machine learning model as we see vulnerabilities and how they were remediated, uh, powering automated remediation or um, self-driving security. So now imagine a developer checks in code, we run a scan, we find that there's a cross-site redescript, redirect error, we can... Um, create a branch in GitHub, fix the code, issue a pull request, and even approve that later on. But I mean, we're starting to do this already. But you know, automating some of the the, the more mundane manual tasks that engineers, whether they're security or not, have to do, is, is where the future is going. Got it. Got it. I I, I don't disagree with you. And, and by the way, that. You know, that's the same future I think we see in development and, and IT in general, a lot more automation orchestration. Um, Mike, let I me mean, I think you, you have to have this repeatable process that, that mitigates human error and human configuration error. Agreed. Um, Mike, we're almost out of time, actually, already. I didn't realize how quick this was going to go. But let me ask you a question. Are you appearing, speaking, presenting anywhere? Ex- Cybrick exhibiting anyway. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yes, I will. Spe- I will be speaking at DevSecCon in Boston, uh, oh, September eleventh cool. and twelfth. Yep. Uh, Andre Bezde Diano is our director of engineering. He'll be speaking at the ISC two Congress in Austin uh, in late September. I believe it's the twenty sixth to the twenty eighth. And right. at that same time, I'll be speaking here in the Bay Area at the Structure Security event. 
Oh, very cool. Very cool. Um, that's, uh, you know what, I, I'll speak to you off mic about that. Um, sounds great. It sounds like th things are going great at Cybrick. We, you know, here on Security Boulevard, as we get going, we interested to hear more about it. And we'll, we'll keep a close eye on it. But thanks for being our guest on Security Boulevard chat today. I, I appreciate it as always, Alan. Thank you. All right. Mike Kale, CTO, co-founder of Cybrick on Security Boulevard Chats. This is Alan Schimmel, and we hope to see you soon on another chat. <laughs>